Welcome to Help from Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the first of the year 2021. My name is Scuzzy Gruen, also known as Alex, and this is a conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. Joined this week by uh, one of our longtime pals, uh, somebody who's been on this podcast an awful lot of times, and we always look forward to having on. It's the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, y'all. How you doing? And, of course, he's the coach. It's Boulevard Paper Fight. What's happening, Blake? Yeah, man. How's it going? Not too badly. Did everybody have a nice New Year's, or at least a, a contained New Year's, given the circumstances? Oh, yeah. It was extremely quiet, but but good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Did you play any Keyforge uh, over New Year's, New Year's Day, anytime or in, in and around there? I've been playing a lot this this break. I got a $100 gift certificate from my brother-in-law, or my brother and sister-in-law, so I went and bought a, a box of MM. And nice. what are the decks that have been coming out that uh, have that? What have they been like? Have you opened them all up yet, or are you uh, doling I've, them out? I've opened them all as far as the boxing, mm-hmm. but I've only opened like three as far as the wrapping and put them into TCO. They're pretty good. Uh, I got one Eaton's Jar deck, which I have to ask, have you guys been um, having problems with your Master Vault? Because I tried to look up my Eaton's Jar deck and it said it wasn't there, even though it was. Hmm. No. Um, maybe check the spelling. Sometimes that could that could be... I've had issues with that where I thought it was spelled one way and there's like a weird thing, like with the apostrophe or something like that. That's the only thing that I can think that I can possibly think of. But yeah, I'll definitely check that again. Where there's like a weird sort of like a grammatical quotation or something like that that kind of throws things off yeah hmm. what about you blake you play any games no i have not uh, i've not played any games uh, i think i played uh, maybe i played one actually with my i've been kind of diving into the coach's collection deck that i spoiled the other week about uh, my ortanu deck that has the fun saurians and stuff like that and uh, just trying to get a little more insight through reps of what that deck can or probably can't do who knows I'm I'm just chomping on the bit to get some of these AOA decks that we discussed uh, last week in the mail. So I've been revisiting some of my favorite AOA stuff from uh, the the uh, the era when AOA was the current set, so that I could be reminded of what the cool cards and cool combos were in there. I'm hoping for some interesting glimmer stuff. That was always fun uh, when mm-hmm. you could do like glimlock combos and stuff like that. But we're not here to talk about the past necessarily today. We're here to talk about the future. Blake pitched this topic. It's one that I like a great deal. The idea is we're going to have a little roundtable discussion about what you are most excited for in Keyforge in 2021. Obviously, an unprecedented time for the game, an unprecedented time for games of all kinds. Um, We've talked so much uh, over the last little while about what the game was like under quarantine, what it was like during the age of COVID. And I think what we want to do is kind of approach this from a more positive standpoint, not think about things in terms of what we're missing out on, but really think about what interesting and cool things are on the horizon, given the situation that we're in right now. Are you guys ready to have this conversation? Because I am psyched. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. All right, Rick, why don't you kick things off for us? Is there something specifically you're looking forward to in Keyforge in the next 12 months? Well, due to what you just mentioned about the previous year that we just had, I cannot wait until we get in-person Keyforge again. That's been a major hurdle for me to get over, not having friends around, not being able to so socialize with people 
it's just been really tough. So I cannot wait till that happens again. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's 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 going to be one of those things that we're going to have to play by ear, certainly, because even once everybody gets immunized, even when, you know, it, it looks like numbers are going down in our province, we've been down this road before so many times where it's like, it looks like things are getting better. Okay, great. Let's get together and have a, oh, oh, things just got bad again. And then on a dime, you know, our best laid plans have been, have been laid to waste. But yep. at the same time, it feels like you know, this is something that we can look forward to in some kind of limited and probably very safe capacity. Definitely once we get back to the nice weather season, I think. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Some outdoor key forge, I think we might be able to swing. I know we discussed it a little bit on the podcast when we were doing it, but uh, I did really like the setup that we had going for a little while where the three of us and occasionally another friend would get together and just sort of sit at these long tables where it would be, you know, a nice six foot of distance between us. We were wearing masks. We were nice and distanced and then just play the game and just, you know, taking into account those rules you came up with, Blake, for just like, all right, well, if we can't handle each other's cards, how are we going to do things like, you know, I put an upgrade on my opponent's creature. You know, those were all fun little challenges for us to work out that actually like they weren't annoying so much as they were just like little problems and puzzles for us to solve Mm -hmm. yeah indeed yep all right blake why don't you give us one uh out of your list what is something you were looking forward to in keyforge this year i'm honestly really looking forward to making more content this past year i really dove into uh i guess utilizing my youtube and getting on twitch which was something that uh, I didn't expect to have the reception that it did. Obviously, I was hoping, but it, uh, it was really well received and I've really enjoyed doing it and trying to come up with new ways to look at the game and present it, especially during a time when we can't get together as much. I've been really enjoying that and I want to carry that on to this year and take it to another level. So that's what I'm really excited for, hoping to maybe connect with some other people in the community. I've had some people reach out wanting to do some things And so I kind of want to just build that up more. And that's what I'm really looking forward to because I have a lot of confidence and excitement with doing that. All right, excellent. Is there something special and new and different that you sort of have in your mind that you think you might try that you haven't tried before? Um, Yeah, well, I've had an idea for quite some time. And I think now is the time to actually put it into action. And and that's, I want to create a, um, because of especially with Project Reforge coming out, thanks to our man Sky Jedi, I kind of want to spend some time making how to play videos and I want to approach them from a different perspective than a lot of the other ones that exist. Cause a lot of the how to play videos mm-hmm. from people who are uh, game reviewers. So they don't have the same in-depth uh, experience with Keyforge. They kind of just get to know the game, then explain how to play it. I kind of want to take it almost like a cheat sheet, not just like playing, but like you should consider playing this style of deck, just getting into the game and giving some reasoning behind it. And maybe even thinking about like the style, of play you may have from other games and whatnot to to bring to the table. So I, I kind of have an idea and a series I want to create more for people getting into the game. I remember when the game was a little fresher, the professor from Telerian Community College, who was kind of like the one of the the big uh, MTG YouTubers and a person who I respect a lot because they're a person who I think is very straightforward and says mm-hmm. their speaks their mind and is very consumer focused um, and uh, you know isn't afraid to to step on toes uh, with his opinions but is always out fair at the same time made a couple of very cool Keyforge videos but they were like you said very much just sort of straightforward here's how you play Keyforge type videos yep. uh, that mm-hmm. didn't show a lot of depth or understanding of the game I respect the fact that he went and did that because I think it's really cool that somebody of his stature would 
would do that, um, especially where MTV, MTG is so much as focus. But at the same time, it would be nice to have some stuff on YouTube that you could point people towards that has a little more depth to it. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, the first thing that I'm looking forward to is not one that's specific to 2021 necessarily, but it is a thing that I'm really looking forward to. And that is, I'm really, really looking forward to getting a little more distance from the earlier sets, because in my experience through doing this podcast with both of you and through just general discussion of Keyforge, the more time goes by, the better my understanding of how a set actually works increases and it doesn't matter whether or not i've been playing that set for example i don't think i've touched more than one worlds collide deck over the course of the last six to eight months i've been too having too much fun playing like some of my older decks and playing brand new mass mutation stuff as they've come into my collection that you know there's been nothing for it but with time and with new sets and with the evolution of the game there's always a period where things adjust and change. Some things stay the same. Some things become very, very different. And that's really cool and interesting to me. I like the idea that decks that were very strong become less so. Decks that used to not be great can sometimes get a little bump up. Or some decks just might become interesting counterpoints to decks in the meta. It's only through change and it's only through time and it's only through new sets being released that that becomes more clear to us. And so it's a huge deal for me as we see, you know, a new set on the horizon um, and, you know, uh, whatever other evolutions that might bring with us, that it might tell us something about older sets that we think we know everything about. You know, I know Coda inside and out. I could tell you what any given card in that set does. But there are things that will change for Coda when there's new and interesting and different cards in the meta. And so it has ways of the game continues to evolve. And I love seeing new stuff, but I also love seeing old stuff change up and become new in its own way. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Rick, why don't you hit us off with another one? Uh, my second one has more to do with the new set coming out in February, Dark Tidings. Um, they've said about the evil twin decks, I'm just very interested to see how they will compare to other decks in the set, other decks that are in older sets. And I, I'm really actually interested. I don't usually like art too much. I don't really care about it too much, but I'm really interested to see the art differentials between the evil twins and the regular decks. It's mm, going to be interesting to me. For sure, yeah, and we do, we do know that you love your chase cards. Yes. <laughs> Getting an evil twin time traveler? Yes, please. Is that a thing? I don't know if it will be, but I mean, there's always legacy oh. cards. Oh, yeah, and obviously you'd hope for that. I yep. think we'll see the evil twins will be a, a, a predetermined set of cards. I don't think it's going to be just like a arbitrary. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love the idea of of the Evil Twin deck because I like any idea that plays into the unique deck nature of yep. Keyforge. Mm -hmm. And exactly. this is a thing that definitely does that because you could never have this in any other game, right? Like you could have two cards that are quote unquote Evil Twins of one another, but there's no way that you could ever have, you know, something that works the same way as this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That's, that is the great thing of Keyforge without a doubt. Yep. All right, Blake, what have you got for us for your, your second sort of thing you're looking forward to? Well, I'm, I'm glad that Rick mentioned this. 
And um, yeah, because I'm I'm kind of excited about this new set coming out and the fact that we're going to have two sets released that have never seen uh, OP before. When we get back into OP, having this ability to like, hopefully that does happen within this year. So we're going to have this ability to have two sets that have never been in the wild together in competitive play uh, going against one another, one another. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. I can't wait to see how that shapes up, what that causes or what restrictions or parameters. Can we play like two deck survival, but you got to have one of each of the sets that has not been played in OP, like things like that. I'm pretty excited for. That's a super cool thing that I hadn't thought about, actually. When OP becomes a thing again, and who knows when that might be, it could be 2022, you know, uh, it could be longer than that, right? Like, we honestly don't have an idea at this point when FFG is going to fire things up again. Like, we're going to be entering into a world in which there are going to be so many different sets to choose from, and Mm -hmm. some of which we will have no idea how they operate in the world of OP, and that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. Do you have yeah, any and, thoughts on like sort of uh, how you want to approach that as sort of a content creator and also a person who I think is very strategically minded? Um, I don't really know, Alex, to be very honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is the thing too, which is is kind of interesting is is how do future sets get kind of tweaked in a way without having any data from vault tours or anything like that to see how things are being affected? So I think you can't really like design to a certain point when you haven't seen certain decks like in uh, being registered in the Master Vault and stuff like that. Because I mean, even if we're playing on TCO, there's not like that data is I don't think anything that the um, the people at FFG would look at for a multitude of reasons. So um, it's going to be interesting because nothing's being registered in Gem or anything like that. There's no data to suggest what decks are providing what because I'm sure there there is some uh, analytics that do happen because of organized play that cause maybe uh, some uh, set creation and game design to happen as a result. So that's what I find interesting is because I want to see that data come out on what happens. And I also think that and for the the theory I have, which is unfortunate, is I think some people may not be willing to test out new stuff in a way mm-hmm. because they're going to go back to the tried and true because they don't know data. Because because we we can I think establish that KeyForge as a game has a uh, a very analytically based mind to a lot of the ta- the top players. They mm-hmm. like to look at the stats and the data that exists and see what's what. And I mean, we do have access to that now with the metrics, but we haven't seen it in the true competitive play because there's some people who probably don't play on any platforms and have these great decks and maybe play with a couple friends or two who are also really good. And you're not seeing anything on TCO. So we're going to also get to see what happens there. Will we see these decks or are these two sets going to be like lost sets in a way, like kind of in a way, kind of how AOA was, but it's just because people are like, no, there's a new set now. And if there's some really great hotness in in the set that's going to come out, I guess, later this year, well, that and now that can be an OP, what will happen there? Like what what is going to happen with OP with these backlog sets that haven't seen play? That's That's what I'm really excited to see. It's going to be a lot of interesting things to see about that. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I just, I love the idea that there are going to be some people who are going to walk into a tournament who are just bringing like the their, like you said, their tried and true stuff and that who are going to be running up against stuff that they have no idea how it might operate against. You know, mm-hmm. like the, there's going to be some, definitely some interesting and different environments for us to like, explore when op becomes a thing again even on a local level i think there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff you definitely know, 
Yeah. I think for the longest time, what, one of the things that we saw for ages was that whatever the current set was, that was the dominant set in our local chain bound. Like occasionally mm-hmm. you'd see some people who would bring some like some heat, you know, from an older set. But more often than not, people would just play whatever deck they were currently enjoying from the current set when we were playing Chainbound. That was very much the way things went down. And as soon as a new set came out, that would become the dominant set. When we get to do weekly Chainbound, there will have been like so many sets that will people just go with whatever the current set is at that this time? Are they going to be going, I have all these cool decks from Mass Mutation I never got to play in person. I'm going to bring those or, you know, uh, whatever else. So I- I'm really excited for that, Blake. I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, it's going to be fun. The other thing that I'm really excited about uh, in 2021 is I am interested to see the further development of the online state of play. Um, I think that because we went into this pandemic already having um, a very robust online platform with TCO, um, it was a pretty natural transition for a lot of people who were familiar with it to be able to say, all right, I'm going to play on TCO now and, you know, I can join some online tournaments. We can do some organization through Discord. All that stuff was pretty, pretty straightforward. I think that as time goes on this year um, and as new sets come out, we are going to see a further development of the way people approach online play. We've seen people put together some very interesting, very large online tournaments. I think we're going to see more of that. But I'm also thinking we're going to see a lot more organization on a smaller level. Um, I think that there's going to be things that are going to change about the way people approach the game from an online standpoint. And, you know, we've just started getting messages, I think, from folks locally recently that have been a lot like, hey, it's been a while since we've done a local tournament. Why don't we try and put something fun together? Why don't we try and do something a little bit different? Um, And I'm really excited for all of that because I think that as much as, you know, just like we were saying with Rick, we miss the social aspect of the game. We understand that this is all for the best, right? Like, None of us is going to go, well, I'm going to go, you know, play Keyforge live and in person and possibly endanger my friend's lives or myself because, you know, that, that that would be a foolish thing to do. So, you know, given that we all accept that and that's kind of our lot for right now and we're waiting for the go ahead when we can all get together. And obviously that's going to be a joyous day when it happens. I think we're also all of the mindset of what are new and different and interesting and fun things that we can organize and participate in to make Keyforge still intriguing and different and new in different ways for us as time goes by. And I think we're going to see more of that as time goes by as well. I think that with Mass Mutation coming out the way that it did, uh, you know, uh, it was definitely a set that um, was impacted by the fact that there was no in-person play. We're going to see a second set come out under those same circumstances. And I'm curious to see, is it going to sort of have the same uh, evolution in terms of how many people are playing it when people decide they want to go back to older decks when they you know sort of dig deeper and find more interesting things about that set there's all kinds of ways in which that online state of play might alter might evolve might change and i'm eager to see what might happen with it mm-hmm. yeah that is going to be exciting so i mean i i think for this conversation you know ultimately this is not to try and put too much of a silver lining on a dark cloud. Um, We all know 
the state of the world right now, and we all understand, uh, like I was just saying, what the 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 circumstances are and why it's a good idea for KeyForge to be purely online as it is for so many people right now. Um, I'm sure there's some place in the world where people can get together just because they they have things under control. And if you're one of those folks who's listening, feel free to reach out to us on social media. I would love to hear if there's a place in the world where you can get together and have regular chain-bound events, regular organized play events. I think this is largely us looking for the positivity in the year that's going forward because I don't know that the game can survive without that mindset. Um, one of the things that's driven me crazy about a key, as a Keyforge player for ages is that when I first got excited about the game and I went on Reddit, even from the very beginning, there was tons of posts that were like, the game is dying. People aren't interested in playing in my local scene anymore. I tried to get people interested and it's not going. Obviously, the game is going to be over. And one of the reasons that I love hanging out and talking about Keyforge with you fellas is I think we share a similar positive outlook, which is, you know, I, I don't go in for idle speculation about what might happen in the future. I like to basically do what's within my own power to try and keep the game healthy, to try and intrigue people, and to try and see all of the infinite possibilities that are available to us through the game of Keyforge. Keyforge is a game of discovery, as our friends over at Call of Discovery love reminding us. And, you know, part of the discovery is focusing on all of the cool, interesting, and positive things that we have available to us. So I just wanted to, to sort of get on my soapbox for a little second there and say, you know, look for the positivity, look for the places that you can be a positive influence on the game because it's through you and everybody else that you come in contact with that I think that Keyforge uh, is what we want it to be, which is a cool, positive and welcoming thing um, that has tons and tons of possibility going into the future. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Of course, we can't finish an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. This one is called Help from, Help future, from Self. future Self. Blake, you've got one for us this week? I do, yes. So I, the other week, I obviously talked about my coach's collection thing, and I brought up my Ortanu deck. And um, I was playing it, uh, making notes, which is something I've, I've actually found I really enjoy, is having that academic approach to playing a deck and kind of looking at the things that were successful, looking at the things that were a failure and uh, just observations after the game and kind of write it down and try and catalog a, uh, a line of 10 games and, and what, what is the, the data at the end of it. And I took information from the first game and I applied it to the second game and I did it to such a degree that it gave me a complete different result and not in a good way. So I was like, oh, I need to actually get the Brobner out early. So at the end of the game, I, I don't have to like stick with it and deal with it. So I started playing Brobner and Brobner and Brobner. But the problem is I wasn't playing other cards. And I just got to this point where I was like, oh, that doesn't work either. So it was a really interesting thing to recognize like the way the deck was. And it and because Keyforge is not a game where you have basically um you know, the flexibility of it's a one-line thing that happens. Like like in Magic, you have a deck that this is what my deck wants to do and you try and make that happen. Same with Pokemon. This is what my deck wants to do and I'm just trying to get there to make it happen. With Keyforge, because you have like a lot of singleton cards for the most part, you're kind of having to allow things to evolve and happen. So you can't get stuck in one line of thinking. And I realized that was the, the issue. So when you're trying out a new deck and let's say you identify a weakness in the deck that you don't want to be coming up at a certain point, you can't always lean too heavy into it early because you're also maybe not playing as efficiently and cycling and getting some of that other stuff uh, going 
early on. And that's what ended up happening to me in the second game. And I thought it was really interesting because I felt so sure after the first one, like, oh yeah, just get the Brobner out early and then you'll have the good stuff at the end. And that was not the case, actually. You need to have more of a balance throughout. So I, I found that really interesting to discover. And I do recommend if you're interested in, in working with a new deck and you want to actually learn it, uh, after each game for 10 games, note the set you played, the houses you went against, and whether it was a win or a loss, and then any thoughts you had of uh, success or failure as you went through the game. A true, true tip from a Keyforge coach in good standing. We got to get out of here. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. If you are in an interesting uh, situation with regards to Keyforge, if you have interesting thoughts or ideas, please reach out to us there. We would love to hear what you're looking forward to in 2021 with the game of Keyforge. You can find me at Scuzzy Gruen on Instagram, on Twitter, and on The Crucible. Where can they find you, Rick? On the Crucible at Rickster78 and on Twitter at the Wheeling Keyforger. And what about yourself, Blake? You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's B L V D Paper Fight. And please do check out my YouTube under the same name, B L V D Paper Fight. Uh, a new series will be uh, has kicked off, and that is the AOA Extravaganza. Terrific. All right. Uh, by this time next week, I figure we might have something AOA related to talk about, but we'll see. Until then, stay forging. Stay forging.